everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, what is up? Hey, Andrew. I went camping over the weekend and in this protected beach area, there was a poor whale that was washed ashore a few weeks oh, ago. Damn. Yeah. That's sad. It is sad. Well, did you have fun camping? I did have fun camping because our cabin overlooked the ocean and that was very cool. To get to the beach, we just had to climb like a bunch of boulders and the kids had a lot of fun with that. Nice. Yeah, I love I had a climbing time. rocks as a child. <laughs> Still do. So do I. What's uh, up with you? I just got back from Canada. Shout out Canada. Canada gave me a little gift on the way out, which was super cool, which was COVID. So after three years of dodging and ducking and avoiding it, I have finally got COVID for the first time. I'm sorry. I also begged Andrew to reschedule this episode, but he wanted to keep the show going. Yes, because I have to do other work and I need this to like prime the pump, if it were. But today we're going to talk a little bit about ChatGPT, which I'm kind of excited for. What do you use ChatGPT for, Julie? I've been using it for a lot of different things. Where should I start? (laughs) What is the thing you find yourself using it for the most often? Well. I have used it to help me write some performance reviews because my writing isn't very good with that. And it's been really helpful. I give it some samples of how I write and also mainly saying like, keep it to sixth to eighth grade reading level and then feed it some keywords about who I want to talk about. And then it spits it out for me. Nice. So you give it data, it kind of add the fluff around it. Yeah, Yeah, I use it for that as well. I'm very big on it. I have been since it came out. Like I pay for the pro subscription and I use the crap out of it. I use the API. I fully expect that all of us or at least a good chunk of us will have some sort of AI project flow through the pipeline at some point. You know, it just seems inevitable at this point. I have friends who are integrating it into their products that they have in their startups. And it's interesting to see because I've been the big AI person for like a long time. I'm a big fan of the Matrix movies, I should preface. So I have always been really interested in this idea of at some point, we'll have computers that are able to fool humans into thinking that they are also humans, which passes the Turing test from Alan Turing. And I don't know, I'm excited for it. But I wrote a paper back in college in an ethics class about at some point, like this AI is going to get to a point where it can be put into a machine And that machine can be used for things. And one of them, unfortunately, is going to be war. I wrote like this massive essay on like the ethics of using AI and war and autonomous machines and stuff like that. So all that to say, I've been using the crap out of ChatGPT and all the other variations of it. I knew you were into AI, but I didn't realize that you wrote a paper in college about it. Yes, I've been interested in this for a long time. I fully believe that there's like certain points in history that like shape what happens next. And I don't think they're quite yet with the AI, but we're going to be soon. There's going to be big changes, big disruptions in like industries. And at some point we will be able to be cyborgs. (laughs) (laughs) That is what I am waiting for because I'm fully willing to be a cyborg. I'm just imagining that the two of us right now on the Zoom call are actually AI having this conversation. It could be. It's possible. I mean, even to talk about that, there's something called the Whisper API, which is from OpenAI, who make ChatGPT. 
Whisper is an automatic speech recognition system that's been trained on all this data. And you can use it for a lot of different things. But one of them is we could basically recreate ourselves right now. We can make an AI podcast where we don't speak at all. It just takes the data that it has on us already. Like we could, I have thousands of hours of podcasts. And at this point, you probably have hundreds. So like we could take all of that, give it to like a system to analyze it the way we speak. And then you just feed it content. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That would be a fun project to do. (laughs) There's actually people doing this right now on Twitch. So right now you can go on Twitch and there are streamers who are completely AI driven. There is no human and they are talking and speaking and interacting with the audience. They made an AI Seinfeld show on Twitch too. That's just running 24 seven, making up its own content. Oh my gosh. And animating itself. Yeah. It's getting wild. What's interesting about it is like there come all these problems with all this innovation and the attack vector on this is something that is very interesting to watch. I feel like I just don't have enough hours in the day to keep up with all that's happening in the AI world. Neither do I. But that's why we're recording this to talk about <laughs> some of the stuff that we use it for specifically. Before we get into specific, do you use Copilot? I have used it very briefly in the past when I was learning Rails. And I recall it doing some really fancy things. And this was about two years ago. Yeah, I think it was about two years ago. And it was nice. But at that time, I was still learning. So I didn't want to rely on it too heavily. So I shut it off. And I think you have to pay now. So I don't don't have a subscription to it. So you have to pay unless you meet some sort of criteria that I don't really know what the criteria is of being an open source maintainer in which you get it for free. So I, for some reason, get it for free. I don't really know why, but I do. I'm not complaining. I would pay for it though at this point. So what it is, it uses the OpenAI Codex, which is one of the language models that OpenAI has. And the GPT 3.5 and GPT 4, which is what most people are familiar with, are also language models that OpenAI has. And the Codex one is specifically like trained on a lot of source code. And so it uses the OpenAI Codex to suggest code and real-time in the editor based on like comments or based on code that you've previously written and all sorts of things like that. I primarily use it in testing. That's where I find it the absolute most helpful. And I don't know how it's so smart about it, but it is very good at writing specs, especially. Are you saying that it like reads your code and knows how to formulate a spec for it? There's one thing that I don't really understand. And that's does Copilot have the context of my entire code base or does it only have context of like something I've recently given it? I don't really understand that part and I probably should. But what I do know is that I can write a spec where it really works great is I will write the description of a spec. So I'll write the context. I'll be like, I do a lot of feature flag work with Flipper. So I'll be like context when the feature flag is enabled and then I will just stop and it will auto suggest a little bit of the code, right? And then I'll start writing that spec and I'll maybe like describe and then I'll tell it what I want it to test. And it uses the context of what's in the file already. I know that part. So it's using the context of what's in the file to help write the spec. And it sometimes it nails it perfectly. 
I can write the description of assert that this does not do that. This gets called whenever subject is blah, blah, blah. I can tell it in English when I'm writing the description, what it should do. And then it might autocomplete it or it might not. It's kind of iffy. But then where it comes in really well is then I'll write the next context is when the feature flag is disabled and nine times out of 10, it can completely write that entire test block right for me based on me having written the specs for when the feature flag is enabled. That's amazing. Right. So in tests, it's really good because what it does specifically is uses the context of the file, but it also uses comments. So like you can write a comment of what you want it to do, and then it should try to do that. So I use that a lot more in the JavaScript side because it's a lot better at JavaScript, I find. So like I don't use it much when writing like my feature code. I use it a lot when writing specs, and then I use it a lot when writing JavaScript code. And You're writing JavaScript code? Yes, I'm writing JavaScript. <laughs> well, not me personally. <laughs> That's what I've been using ChatGPT for the most, honestly, and Copilot. But if you tell it what you want it to do, you can write a comment, and then you can either invoke it with the command palette, or it'll just try to auto-suggest it with a comment. Auto-suggest like, what it wanted to do. And now there's this thing called Copilot Labs. GitHub has this like next project and they're doing like some really futuristic stuff. But the Copilot Labs stuff allows you to have access to these things called brushes. And so there's a whole extra extension panel for it. And you can use it to explain code. Like you can highlight a block of code and tell it to explain it. You can have it translate code into other languages, which is pretty cool. So like I could highlight some Ruby and tell it to transfer it to Python or vice versa. You can specifically for JavaScript and TypeScript, it can generate tests and then it has access to all these like brushes, which a brush you can kind of think of as really just a way to invoke a specific prompt behind the hood. Because the way all this works really with ChatGPT is like you give it prompts and then data and then it returns you. So the brushes are built in prompts a little bit. So they have adding types, fixing bugs, debugging, cleaning code, making it more robust, adding documentation. And then you can add your own custom ones. Wow, my mind is blown. Hey there, I'm Andrew Mason, and I've got an amazing gem to tell you about, Avo. It helps you build content management systems and internal tools with Ruby on Rails incredibly fast. You don't need to deal with any CSS or JavaScript files as Avo takes care of all the UI work for you, resulting in a modern, mobile-first CRUD interface ready to deploy. Plus, it provides access to features almost every application needs, like actions, filters, search, sorting, active storage integration, dashboards, and much more. So if you're looking for an ultra-powerful and maintainable platform to build your next product or service, look no further. Avo harnesses the power of Rails, Hotwire, Tailwind, CSS, view components to provide you with a fast and easy-to-use stack the Rails way. Don't wait any longer. Visit avohq.io and give Avo a try today. You won't regret it. Would you recommend using this for folks that are still learning or early in their career? Yes. This is what I do. I am not very good at JavaScript. I've gotten a lot better recently, specifically because of all these new tools that are coming out. But what I will do is I'll take a block of code and there's an option on Copilot Labs to document code. So it can then write the documentation for every line in that function. And then so now I understand exactly what it's doing. And if I need to expand more on that, I use Warp. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Warp is a terminal. 
and it has AI built into it. So I can use warp to explain the code further. I can paste it into chat GPT and have it explained further. So I think if you're using it, you can use it as an educational tool. You don't have to rely on it necessarily for writing your code, but you can also have it make it better. So like you could write it the way you think it should be written and then see how it would make it better. So I would definitely recommend people do it. Also, because it's not going away. Like this is only going to be bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I feel like right now you could say some of the best developers are those who know how to go find the answers to their problems, right? They don't necessarily have it all in their brain. Like Google ninjas. This is basically the next iteration of that. Not trying to get better at this is not going to not help you. Like this is only going to help you. Right. Have you noticed it being inaccurate? To a point where a person who's learning might not realize that it's inaccurate. Absolutely. So like the way it works is if you look at the API, it makes a lot more sense. It has a frequency, basically like a level of the amount of creativity it can add. So that's called a temperature. And if any, here's some random homework for anyone. If anyone look up simulated annealing algorithm, and if you understand that a little bit, makes this make a lot more sense. I'm not going to exploit it. Simulated annealing. But what it uses a temperature, you can give it a temperature behind the scenes. And what that will do is indicate how much creativity or how little creativity it should add, right? Should it be perfectly accurate or should it guess? Because really what it's doing is it's taking all the data that it has and the data that you give it and trying to guess what should come next. It's not necessarily giving you an answer. It's just guessing is obviously guessing with like certain degrees of accuracy and that can be changed especially in the api where you can change how accurate or how free-flowing if it were it is but yeah i mean that's a problem in and of itself that we have to figure out as a society of like i think someone gave chat gpt like part of the bible the other day and they were like did you write this and it was like yes i wrote this right so it's just guessing wow copilot has definitely changed a lot in the last two years that i haven't used it It's very helpful for me. It just helps me move faster. It doesn't help me plan things. One thing I I heard a lot of is like, oh my God, like it's going to replace engineers. And I don't believe that for a second because at the end of the day, it's really just a more advanced Google at this point, but there still has to be someone behind the controls to like know what to do, where to go next. Even if it can write the code, it can't architect the system by itself. So someone who is say a CEO that's not tech savvy might not be able to use ChatGPT to create their vision? I think they could, but to what degree? Could someone with zero coding experience use ChatGPT to build an application in Rails or in JavaScript and create a functioning business? 100%. 100%. I'm sure people have already done that. But you got to think about a lot of things, right? What is the quality of that code? What is the maintainability of that code? If the person who wrote the code doesn't really understand the code, it's not really maintainable. How are they going to integrate more features, right? At some point, the business proves viable. You're going to need to bring in an engineer to like probably uncluster through your situation. I believe that like it could be used as a way to create a proof of concept really quickly, but I don't think you're going to be able to run a long-standing business off of someone who doesn't know how to code and is just using it to write the code. If they're using it to like teach themselves how to code, right? Like that 100% they could do that. But if they're like, 
just copying, pasting, copying, pasting. It's not always going to be correct code either. So how are they going to debug that? You run into all these situations. Yeah. So it's not going to replace developers. I agree. I have a hard time answering the question of when folks who are not in tech ask, is ChatGPT or AI going to replace our jobs? And you said it pretty clearly. Yeah, I don't believe so. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a new profession out there because whenever something comes along and replaces things, it kind of opens up new opportunities along the way. So now there's a whole new thing called prompt engineering. Those people, apparently their pay range is three to 500K, which is bonker bonkers. So like for that reason alone, if you're a junior, like learning to code, learning how to do this can be quite beneficial. Maybe you realize you're really good at it and some company brings you in just to write AI scripts for them. That's a completely like viable or contractor too. Oh my God. That sounds like something you'd be good at. uh, Probably. Any interest in doing that? A little bit, but I really like my job. Yeah. So maybe one day we'll see. One of the big things that will help you use it better though, is this idea of the types of, like if you do some research on the types of prompts and the type of language models, that will aid you sincerely in a lot while doing all of this. Also just like finding prompts out there in the wild. One thing I do is I reverse engineer the way people are sending certain prompts from certain software. Like a lot of companies are now like integrating chat GPT or open AI into their products. And you can use certain applications or however you do it, whether the company makes the prompt like available or you use a tool like Proxyman, which will sit on your computer and intercept all network requests going in and out to like basically figure out what they're sending, basically reverse engineer what they're doing. I think that's a great way to find some good prompts. Also, there are just like certain ways to get better at it. So there's one idea, there's this idea of few shot prompting and one shot prompting. And one shot prompting is where I write one message where I'm like, hey, summarize this book. And then I give it like the title of the book, right? That's a one prompt, one shot. Few shot prompting is where you basically, in the conversation itself, you give it a personality. You give it instructions and be like, I want these to persist throughout the entire conversation. And then you can create ways for it to like return to that context if it accidentally loses it. So one, the best way to do it is to say, basically to start your prompt, like, I want you to act as an expert programmer. And I like to name them. So I'll be like, I want you to act as an expert programmer, Fufu, because I like Fubar a lot. So I'll just give it a random name and I'll be like, and you only speak code. You only output code. You don't output words. And then I'll tell it like, you write structured programs, applications, And then you can give it like instructions that you want it to persist. So like you can tell it, you always use trusted libraries for code tasks when a relevant library is not declared. You think step by step and you ask me for clarifying information if it'll help you write better. Asking for clarification for me is the only time you can ever use text. And you cannot break this character. You must remember exactly what we are working on. And the chat will focus on one project only until I tell you clear, in which case you can erase your memory and we start over. And if you're not doing a good job, I will tell you to get back into character by using the keyword context. And then you can also like give it the language and like application frameworks to tell. So like I'll say you're using Ruby 3 and Ruby on Rails 7 and ES build and stimulus.js and all these other things, whatever I think is relevant to the task I'm trying to tell it to do. And I'll maybe even give it coding style conventions. Like I want you to make it dry. 
Yeah, that's the best way to do it. I know that was a lot, but basically just think about like, I want you to act as A and then give it a character. Use it over multiple conversations. So like continue iterating on what it outputs in several prompts. So whatever it outputs, if it's not exactly correct, like, okay, adjust the instructions so that you output markdown or you output the code blocks in a thing that I can copy or something like that. That is super thorough. I did something somewhat recently, kind of the same thing, but not quite as robust as what you did. I told ChatGPT to act like a knowledgeable and thorough senior software engineer researching on the benefits and drawbacks of upgrading your Ruby version. I had it hooked up to a book on the internet and I just said to update the Ruby version and I didn't say to what, and you can see it circling its gears and trying to find out, okay, well, what is the latest version? Cause it, it doesn't know. Cause it's knowledge was cut off in 2021, I think. Yeah. And that's all changing now, which is interesting. So right before the call, like I've been away, so I haven't seen what's going on. And you told me that now you can enable browsing mode on GPT-4 so yes. that it can access more information, which is very interesting. And now they have so a whole plugin do? system too. Yeah. The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime shouldn't be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. A monthly subscription with Honey Badger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. Best of all, Honey Badger is free for small teams and setup takes as little as five minutes. Get started today at honeybadger.io. That's www.honeybadger.io. So you do have to be on their plus version in order to access it, which right. as far as I know is still $20 a month. Yeah. The way I think about it is if it saves me $20 of time at some point in one month, I use it to specifically for this podcast, there's a way to make chapter notes now and certain podcast players use them. And what I do is I will give it our show notes and I will tell it to extract from the... And I have like a prompt that I use over and over for this. So like at this point, I don't have to rewrite the prompt. I just paste in the show notes and it outputs exactly the text I need. And I have it do this every single podcast I do this. So that saves me a lot of time just having to like copy and paste things. Wait, what do you have it do? So some podcast players, I'm not really sure which ones because the one I use don't use this, but they have something called chapters. I assume it's just like chapters on YouTube. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Where yeah, like, yeah. Like the little sections. Yeah, I'm sure it's just like that. But if your podcast player does this, let us know. Number one, let us know if they look correct and also let us know what you're using so that we can try it. But we get our show notes in a certain form that y'all see in the podcast details. And then you can add chapters, which is a new thing in Transistor, which is the podcast platform we use to host the show. And those are in a specific format and they're not in the same format as the show notes that we get. So what I do, they're basically like the timestamp in a certain format and then like a small chapter description. 
So our show notes have timestamps with like a, a longer description. What it basically does is it takes all those timestamps and rewrites the timestamp into the correct format. And then it rewrites the timestamp description into like a like three or four letter chapter marker. That's really neat. I did not realize you were doing that. Yep. But all I have to do is paste it in and it just doubles. So it's there pretty nice. There are so many use cases for ChatGPT. One of the other things that I use it for, especially is learning complex concepts. I find Redux and Sagas and React, all those things to be rather complex. And I've been using it to help explain it to me. And I will actually start having it explain it to me like I'm five first because just simply explaining it was still too hard for me. So I started with like I'm five, then simply, and then regular. And then in order for it to solidify in my head, I have to also actively be getting the data out of my head. So I'll have it quiz me. And because I can't yet do it on my own with just free response, I have to have it give me questions in multiple choice. And then maybe I'll graduate to fill in the blank and then I can go and do a free response. And that has been super helpful in my like learning of new topics or concepts. I have a tool that I've been using that allows you to run through the API wherever on your computer. It's called Writer's Brew. It's an app and I probably don't need it, but I bought it really early on pretty cheap and I've just kind of been playing with it. And one of the things I really like is it has prompts for summarize and takeaways because I really like writing notes in bullet form. So I'll paste text in it. It can summarize it to bullet points. And then I can have it take that and write even smaller summary of the whole thing and the takeaways from it. And I use that a lot in reading articles and stuff. Like I use a, my read it later service is called reader from Readwise and it has chat GPT built into it. So I can have it analyze an article and write a summary of it. I can have it generate flashcards for an article. I can have it generate thought-provoking questions, generate question and answers based on highlights and all sorts of other things like that. So it's getting added into everything at this point. Yeah, I can't go through a day without hearing about it. But it's made my life a lot easier. Like maybe we can run through some of the recent questions we've asked it. I'll do a few. I gave it a bash function that I didn't understand. And I told it to explain the code and it gave me basically a step-by-step explanation of what it was doing. I write the CSS required to update the bottom margin of callouts without a bot. So I gave it like a bunch of HTML and I tried to get it to do something for me. I don't even understand what I'm trying to get it to do here. Oh, I was trying to get it to write a specific CSS selector for something that I couldn't figure out how to do. And so it wrote a really complex like CSS selector for me, which ended up being like dot callout, not colon has dot callout context dot not. So like some really complex CSS selector that I was not using at work, just FYI. I had lost me at CSS. (laughs) I had to explain the difference between chmod A plus X and chmod plus X, which are commands to make things executable on Unix. I gave it a snippet of code and asked it to create a title for it because I'm trying to do a lot better about making snippets in my notes. Oh, I also mentioned this. Pasting code into it's kind of weird because of the enter button will like submit the prompt. That's why I normally write them outside of it. But wrapping the code in either triple quotation marks or triple backticks is the best way to like, you want to wrap input, you give it to it. That's like the best way to do that. Never thought about doing that. What about you? I just hit shift enter, but that gets, yeah. I, oh, does I that work? To just, yeah. <laughs> oh, 
Okay. Well, today I learned. (laughs) Well, today I learned as well. I've asked it a lot to, which I think Copilot would be a good use case for me, but I've asked it to explain code for me. And I will also follow up with a, what do you mean by that when it responds? Recently, looking at my competencies for the next level at work, I copied and pasted that over to it and said, give me smart goals in the next one year on what I can do to get to that level. Before the browsing was on, I would specifically ask for, show me links to where you're getting information because sometimes it takes me to a dead end and I can't find it anywhere to fact check it. I guess we could touch on that as we kind of wrap this up. Chat GPT is from OpenAI and it uses either the GPT-4 or GPT-3.5 language model. But there are a lot of different language models and a lot of companies are now coming out entering the space. Some of them are open source. Some of them are not. So like OpenAI, we don't have access to that code. So Google just released Bard, which is their kind of chat GPT because Microsoft owns OpenAI, basically, if you didn't know that. Microsoft, they don't own it, but they have enough stock. They basically own it, which in turn, Microsoft also owns GitHub. They actually own them outright. So Google has launched Bard, which is, I think, serves some different use cases, but it can access the internet outright. Like ChatGPT, up until this new browsing stuff was added, only had access to data from 2021. And Bard, I used it the other day when writing Ruby Radar to ask it to summarize a Ruby release that had come out two days prior. And I even gave it the link for the announcement. So Bard is able to surf the internet more so, but I think it has some like slightly different use cases. They don't have an API as far as I know. And I would kind of be surprised if they did release one. I think Bard is going to be something that most people kind of just use. And OpenAI's thing will be more of like a programmer or more of like a... Yeah, the API part will be the more important part. But if you go to... There's Hugging Face is also something else that people can look up for other language models. But I'm going to paste this link in. It's play.versal.ai. And what it allows you to do is paste in a prompt and you can choose different language models and see what the output would be for different language models. Just to get an idea of like, oh yeah, well, chat GPT 3.5 is not as good as chat GPT 4. It's better at certain things, but then there's also all these other language models that you can look at and see how they respond differently. Cool. Well, I'm glad we finally did an episode on chat GPT because we've certainly sprinkled it in a lot of other episodes. Yeah, I feel like we could probably even go into more. So if there's something on this episode that you're like, hey, I wish y'all would talk more in depth about this, let us know and maybe we can turn that into an episode. Yeah, thank you for sharing all that, Andrew. That was a lot of information. (laughs) Yeah, feels like I just got it all out of my head. It feels good. (laughs) All right, well, we will catch you all next week. Thank you everyone for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye.